I think the secret, like for someone like me who is joining a company where the founders are involved in, for the founders, you got to be really careful of finding the person with the right temperament. And um, just the, that's super important. So for the founders listening to this podcast, as you think about bring on an outside executive, you got to make sure that you have someone who has the capability to deliver a, a really solid vision, but also has the teamwork mindset and the temperament to work productively. Because in any business that is scaling, there will always be processes that work really well. And there'll also be things that maybe worked well for the business at a certain level that are not going to work well for a business at you know a larger level or a different level. Welcome to Franchise Empires, where aspiring entrepreneurs learn exactly what it takes to become a successful franchise owner from one location to 10 and beyond. I'm the Wolf of Franchises. Hey, everyone, it's the Wolf. Today in the show, we have Bob Crawford. Bob is the CEO of Central Bark, a dog daycare franchise that's in its 25th year of operations. Bob took over from the founders who are still working in the business, but he gives us insight as what it's like to be an executive hire and to work with the founders of a concept and now with the goal of helping them scale to become a national pet brand in the dog daycare space. I think you'll enjoy this. The Wolf of Franchises is the CEO of Wolfpack Franchising, as well as a creator at Workweek Media. All opinions expressed by the Wolf and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Wolfpack Franchising or Workweek. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. The Wolf, Workweek and Wolfpack Franchising may maintain positions in the franchises discussed on this podcast. I would love to hear more about that. So that's a good starting spot. It's just your journey to Central Bark and what led you to this point. Great. I have a unique, diverse background. And to get here took a number of years. I started off working in uh, junior high and high school. I had my own lawn business and uh, then, uh, you know, went to undergrad and business school. And then I worked in the Quaker Oats company, worked for Fortune 100 companies for 16 years. So I worked in the Quaker Oats company. And that was how I first got into pet food. I spent four years in the pet space and pet food at that point, and then uh, went to the Coca-Cola company in Atlanta. And that's when I really was introduced to franchising, right? I spent a lot of my 10 years there in the QSR segment, working with franchisees, helping them be successful in how they, you know, use soft drinks to complete you know, the meal and to make money and soft drinks delivered a lot of profitability into franchisees. And then I joined a company that was started by a founder that was my dad. So I started with my left Coca-Cola, <laughs> joined my dad, worked in a B2B and a B2C business. It was called Brook Furniture Rental. So high service, high touch business. We doubled the geographic footprint there. We added all kinds of sales, marketing and technology initiatives. We scaled it, uh, did three acquisitions and then sold it. I ran it for a while and completed my job there. And after that, I was looking for a business to join. And I was looking for a service business that had scalable opportunities, that had founder involvement or some private equity involvement, and that needed to professionalize and grow. And that's how I stumbled into pet services and specifically Central Bark. So I joined 
in the early part of 2022 to help them scale the business, modernize it, and accomplish some of the growth objectives that a private equity investor had uh, also signed on for. Yeah, well, uh, that's a a quite a journey going from Coca-Cola and Quaker Oats to to a pet franchise. But I I can see how, you know, you're working pet food and then even just working with franchisees probably primed you pretty well. And then, of course, the venture with your dad also. Yeah, I guess let's talk about Central Bark. Do you want to maybe, for folks who aren't super familiar with the brand, just give an overview of current number of locations out there and what kind of pet franchise specifically it is? Yeah. So we have, we're a 25-year-old pet franchise. We There's four primary vertical offerings that we have. You know, dog daycare is our legacy, but we do overnight boarding, grooming, training, and we have a small retail location in each of our facilities as well. So we operate, our franchise, op, we have 35 locations. Our franchisees operate locations between 6,000 and 11,000 square feet in 12 states. And we offer something unique in the marketplace. You know, there's a lot of pet is hot right now just by the growth of dogs and the pet spending in general and the role of the dog in, in pet parents' lives. It's it's amazing. And a real big focus of ours is making sure that we're behavior-based, dog behavior-based. So we are really focusing what's the right thing for the dog. And we started off with being, you know, socialization was a big idea for us. And you know, dogs are meant to be in packs. They're meant to be with other dogs. And so how do we provide a safe environment for that? The dogs can feel fulfilled and you know they're safe and they enjoy their time. And ultimately, a, a satisfied dog is less anxious, more, uh, more loving, and more able to engage with the pet family and the pet parents. So we found that the core element of our offering was around, um, you know, we have come to call it whole dog care, but it's around dog socialization, dog safety. And um, the services that that we're offering are all growing, and um, we're finding that there's huge, huge relevant of relevancy right now in the marketplace. And specifically, the things that are different for us are we have mandatory rest periods. Um, dogs rest for 40% of the day, right? They sleep for 50%. They rest for maybe 30% and active for 20%. So we have a curriculum that's based on that. Um, we also have outdoor required outdoor and indoor space. We think dogs are meant to be outside. And those are some of the, you know, and small, small play groups. So, you know, we think that's the most safe environment for a dog is no more than 15 dogs per play group. Uh, no, it's fascinating. And even just hearing you talk about, I've definitely seen it from the franchise lens that just the pet industry has been exploding. So especially given that you used to work in pet food and it sounds like Central Park also has that retail aspect to the business. Uh, just, you know, from an industry-wide perspective, can you maybe just share what you're seeing, especially right with COVID and the pandemic puppies and all that, you know, what kind of lift have you seen just on the ground for Central Bark, but then also, uh, you know, just industry-wide, the data that you're looking at? Yeah, industry-wide, pets are exploding. I started off in pet business 30 years ago, and there was 50 million dogs in America. And now there's 90 million dogs, right? So everywhere you go now, there's dogs. And I was on some planes recently, and there's there's more dogs I've ever seen in airports. There's more dogs in hotels. There's more dogs in restaurants. Uh, they're everywhere. That the, You see it in the numbers and then also just in your life. And you've seen it, and many of your listeners have as well. The pets space overall is $123 billion, you know, and so it's growing. Um, we see the macro trends in terms of pet ownership. I mentioned 90 million dogs, but pet spending per dog is up. 
I mean, pets have emerged in into people's lives. I mean, these are people are having less kids, more dogs. Um, they're spending more on these dogs. Everything points to continued growth. And it's one of the reasons why I was so excited about being here. It just be a, because the market is so poised for even more growth as we move forward. It's been crazy to see. And even, uh, you know, anecdotally, I know a lot of dog daycare centers and even, you know, vet clinics and things of that nature. Uh, it seems like the services haven't necessarily caught up with the demand that's out there, given like the sheer volume of pets. And uh, like you said, also that folks are just more, maybe more willing to spend on their pets today than they were maybe 10, 20 years ago. So yeah, it just seems like I've just heard from a lot of dog owners that uh, again, like vet clinics, daycares, they, they try to reach out to certain facilities and there might be a long wait for vets, especially it's like two to three week minimum before you can get in to see someone unless it's like a life or death situation. So yeah, I think uh, for business owners, that should be music to their ears, given that uh, if you build a location, there's probably someone who's, you know, there should be hopefully some demand there. You know, obviously with dog daycare, a couple other franchises in that space. Do you think for Central Park is, you know, because like I, to me, the big dog daycare one, and we've had a few on the show, but Dogtopia seems to be like, as far as unit count, the most expansive brand. But I don't think they're doing maybe that, they're definitely not doing retail. They're not doing a few of the things that Central Park's doing. Is that correct? Yeah, we have the, there's room for everybody in this market, I believe that just, so our offering is about, you know, we think about it like as, let's say it's um, private school kindergarten, right? I mean, there's room for public school kindergarten and, you know, parochial schools. But, so, but I think for, if you're looking for your dog to have a sort of a more, you know, smaller play group, I like to talk about it. This is a place where you can bring your dog that we will know and love your dog, right? So there's an intimacy that I think you'll get with the Central Park experience, I think our, our franchisees are devoted and dedicated to providing whole dog care. I think there's just, we go to great lengths to make sure that our offerings are science you know, driven or behavior based uh, and relevant for the dog health and safety. So I think that's, there's many different options out there, but ours is really focused on what our calling is around whole dog care. And I guess from a franchisee's perspective, do you guys see this and try to work with franchisees more on a multi-unit front or is it owner operator? Um, you know, what kind of, I guess, yeah, your existing franchisee base, what's most typical? So most typical right now is single unit owner operators and we're morphing into a more of a multi-unit focus. So I think as we're a 25 year old business that we've grown yeah. about two locations, two to three a year. Um, so today we have 35. And going forward, we believe that multi-unit operators are going to be the foundation for our future growth. So it's an initiative that we're embarking on. We have three of our franchisees are multi-unit today. We think going forward, that's going to be a lot more. And that's how we're targeting for future growth. Maybe even a few years ago, I felt like some you know, there was certain franchises that maybe tried to shy away from multi-unit ops, but it seems like more and more that's the route that people go. And I think it's, a, at least from the franchisee side, it's a good thing. But I think in our in our business, we're going to have a balance of individual owner operators. And then you, we're going to, you know, over time, sprinkle in more multi-unit operators. So we will have, a, I think there's opportunity in our ecosystem for everybody, but the new focus is going to be on bringing market development, multi-unit operators in. Yeah. And 
you know, when you look at the scale in this concept, and it sounds like uh, you have some good experience too from your time with what was that? Your your father's business, Brook Furniture Rental. You know, how do you think about scaling an organization like this? Because I think folks from the outside maybe aren't as you know they're not intimately familiar with how a franchise should scale. And you see every year there's pretty much a hand, I don't know, let's call it five to 10 brands that seem to have like rocket ship growth, you know, meaning they're selling units. And certain people think that's an amazing sign. Other folks get worried because they're like, there's no way they can support that growth. Um, So yeah, do you have, you know, a method to the madness of like number of units per year you try to sell and like what's healthy growth or how do you keep up with it if you are selling units and yeah. Yeah. Uh, When I was at Coca-Cola, I saw this a lot of franchisees growing too fast that they couldn't sustain the growth. And then also that, you know, had big ideas, but maybe went went slower. I listened to a podcast that you had, you talked about, I think it was Chick-fil-A in this case, they went slow in, in the early stages that enabled them to go faster later. Yeah. I think the most important thing that you have to start with is the core level of operational excellence. Do you have that, right? Do you have an operations manual? Do you have operations procedures? Do you have operations guidelines? Do you know you know, can you summarize in very concise ways how do you execute certain, we call them vertical markets or service offerings that you have, right? So you got to get really confident in that. And I can tell you right now, we're, we just given my experience in other businesses that we have a really strong foundation in that area. So then the question is then, hey, how do you have the right targeted messages to the right franchise development efforts, right? So do you have the right people in the right places to go after and, and get it? Um, and then once you have that, and I feel confident about that, <laughs> um, then you just got to make sure that you match your operations to your sales efforts. And you got to have the right partners. You got to have the right suppliers. You got to have the right partnerships. And it's a constant management involvement that, you know, okay, how many more can you do? Can you do five more? Can you do 10 more? Um, when do you need to bring on the next person? And you just got to have that conversation on a fairly routine basis. And if you have those conversations and, and like there will be pinch points in your organization, you just have to anticipate there's going to be pinch points, right? And then you just talk about it openly with your team and to get to that point. And then when you have the pinch points, it's not like a surprise, right? I, I talk about like, this is like the, you know, you watch football or basketball, right? they train for the two minute drill or the 30 second drill, right? It's just, you just train for it. You just got to know how to do it and how to expect it. And it will happen. And then um, not a, life is not, a, you know, only a 30 second drill, right? There's longer game plans involved as well, but you just have to make sure that you're really on top of it and knowing that you have an end in mind, like at the end of the year, we want to be at this number, let's work backwards. And then where do we anticipate that? And and then once you have that discussion, it will be a natural way for people to provide their input and perspective and ideas. I, I like the way you started that too, with uh, just the core offering, uh, making sure you have that. Because if you don't, uh, you're building on a house of cards. So uh, I definitely think that's you know what franchisors and even prospective franchisees, if they're trying to evaluate a franchisor, you know, you got to have the concept, the core concept down pat, and that's the foundation for everything else. Uh, when it comes to like geographics, do you? think strategically about that at all? Or is it more, um, you know, just when I was in franchise development, you know, we had like our ideal, if, if we could snap our fingers and perfectly grow like regionally and then, you know, state by state. But obviously it doesn't work like that unless uh, you kind of just reject candidates left and right until you get the one from the right area. So any thoughts there and just with what you've seen in the last, you know, few decades of working around this? 
Yeah, there's a, there's a, a saying that we plan and God laughs, right? And uh, yeah, we have a couple franchisees and some, what I call like places that are difficult to get to, you know, and they take a couple flights. And I think you want to have, and I know the stories of why those exist, is if someone had the interest, the capital, and the excitement about starting a new location. And we say yes to that, right? And I think we do have a geographic focus. I mean, we start off in Wisconsin. We have 15 locations in Wisconsin. And, you know, we the next biggest state is Florida. That's where, you know, we have... Our business was started by two founders, one in Wisconsin, one in Florida. They merged about 20 years ago to combine their businesses together. And that's how we got to, you know, over the last you know number of years, over 20 years, we got to 35 locations. But we do have a geographic focus. And I think that's where you devote your, uh, you can do some targeted marketing, some targeted PR. And that's, you know, we're focusing on doing that right now as well. Gotcha. It's good. I, I mean, you'd like to see, I think, a regional presence somewhere it shows that it can at least scale, you know, regionally. So if I'm starting, you know, say maybe in the Northeast versus the Midwest, like Wisconsin, uh, it should give some promise of potential, right? That there you can build up this brand uh, within a state and hopefully even beyond. But about the founders, so are they still involved in Central Park or did you take the reins fully and they're more watching from the sidelines? Yeah, so the story of Central Park is really interesting. So Jackie Jordan is one of our founders. She started the business in the late 1990s in the Milwaukee area. And she was looking for a place that she had a full-time job and she was looking for a place that after hours to socialize her dog and realized like there was a bunch of other people, like-minded people after work doing the same thing in a, in a park and said, huh, why can't I start a place to go? And that's how literally she started. And and Chris Gaba, our, our other founder, had a similar experience in the early 2000s in Fort Lauderdale. And then through a sort of a chance encounter, they met and combined their businesses. And they are still involved in the business. So Jackie uh, heads up our operations effort. Chris uh, heads up our marketing effort. And what they wanted to do in late 2021 was they realized that they had something really special here and they needed a couple things to get to the next level, right? They had 30 plus outlets at that time. So that's when they um, received an investment from New Spring Capital, um, a private equity firm out of Philadelphia. And so they needed some capital to, to get to the next level and a new CEO. And that's where I came in. I had experience in scaling a business. I had franchising experience. I had pet business experience and I had experience working with founders. So Jackie and Chris still love the business. They still want to be involved in it. Um, they also wanted someone from the outside to help them get to the next level. And it's been a win-win-win for everybody at this point. And we're able to accomplish some really incredible goals. And we have even bigger plans in front of us to grow further. That's incredibly exciting, especially the... I got to imagine it, it helps, obviously, to have an injection of capital from uh, PE. So that's awesome to hear. Um, for you as a leader of this company, given your past experience, especially with, you know, running the other franchise with your dad that ended up getting acquired, you know, is there anything you did with that company? You know, maybe some mistakes or just general strategies that maybe you think you could have done better on that uh, you're, you'll use this time around for Central Bark? I think the secret, like for someone like me who is joining a company where the founders are involved in, for the founders, you got to be really careful of finding the person with the right temperament. 
And um, just the, that's super important. So for the founders listening to this podcast, is, as you think about bring on an outside executive, you got to make sure that you have someone who has the capability to deliver a, a really solid vision, but also has the teamwork mindset and the temperament to work productively. Because in any business that is scaling, there will always be processes that work really well. And there'll also be things that maybe worked well for the business at a certain level that are not going to work well for a business at you know a larger level or a different level. So you just have to have someone who's comfortable in working with an existing process knowing or an existing business knowing that, hey, there's going to be new ways of doing things in the future. And you have to prioritize and sequence out these changes that you make because the people that you have today are the ones that carry the culture, right? They carry the vision and the values and they know how the existing business operates. And you got to be super careful of how to introduce new ideas to get it to the next level without breaking it. And that is a, an art. Um, I've had experiences where you introduce too many things too fast and then everything sort of like it doesn't work. And you just got to be you know, really, really conscious of how you do that. And it's an art form. And you got to have the right temperament and knowledge of, okay, of where do you start, right? Because you can start in the wrong place too. And there's a lot of things that that you can notice that should be fixed, but you know some of them don't really matter. Um, some of them are more foundational and you have to have the smarts to understand where do you start. Yeah, it's definitely, I could see it being a delicate balancing act and even uh, just, you know, naturally it totally makes sense. But, you know, a lot of founders you read about, right? Like their businesses are their babies. So even just kind of giving up some level of control to someone who is from the outside, there's probably an emotional process there. So I definitely hear you on the temperament is probably uh, a really important factor if there's someone else out there thinking right about bringing on an executive from the outside. It's one of the things that I think they, you know, Jackie and Chris and New Spring were sensitive to. And it was one of the things that I was sensitive to as well. Like I didn't want to join a company that didn't really at some level know that they wanted to change or they needed to change, you know, as well. So it works both ways. Um, because I think if there are founders that are interested in bringing on a new executive, you want to make sure that you give that person the ability to succeed. And the new CEO also has to make sure that they're true to the values of the business as well to make sure that it continues on its growth. So it's a definite a partnership that you have to approach this with. So as you kind of look towards the future, right, finally, you know, uh, we're kind of entering, I think, the next chapter, right? COVID seemed to linger and linger and linger and the impacts and things like that. But, you know, it's 2023. We're really starting to separate from that era and that weird time period that we were in for however many months. Um, you know, so how do you, what's the vision you think for Central Park unit-wise? Uh, you know, how do you uh, hope that these next few years go? Yeah, so we have 35 today. We want win 12 states, and we know there's opportunity everywhere for us. So we are aggressively looking at new locations. We think that the fact that COVID is, I mean, we, we're in a really unique place right now because of the, the real thing that happened in COVID with the puppy boom, right? The, the COVID puppy boom is real. And it's um, now people are going back to work. I saw recently that, you know, more and more companies are requiring their employees to go back to work and um, for three, four days a week at least. 
And that's going to create a real further need for our business, for our service. Absolutely. And not only when people are traveling more and wanting to travel and go on vacations more, but also just it's going to create more for the core daycare business as well. So there is just incredible opportunities like everywhere. Every market is has opportunities for us. And we're super excited about this. And there, we we're going to, you know, triple the number of locations, quadruple the number of locations, you know, over the next you know number of years. And you'll see that from us. Excellent. Well, yeah, I'm excited to watch it grow. But, you know, something I want to emphasize that you just said is because I actually uh, one of the companies or franchises I worked with was a pet franchise. And uh, that was something we realized once COVID hit was that, you know, unlike, say, other industries like, you know, at home fitness had a huge boom during COVID. Um, you know, Peloton stock shot up and all that. But the reality is, as things started to open up again, Peloton stock went down and people started going back to gyms. And, you know, those companies that benefited during COVID, it didn't necessarily last and it hasn't been lasting. But with pets, once you buy a, a dog, it's going to live hopefully a long time, right? 15, 20 years, hopefully more. Um, so, yeah, the boom and the tailwinds that you know, pet companies are facing, it, it doesn't end with COVID. It's going to be happening for the next decade plus. So, um, and that speaks to also what we talked about earlier with just that, you know, the service providers for pet owners, it's going to take time to catch up. So yeah, I, I really think there's a lot of opportunity for um, solid concepts in, in the pet space. You know, even in, if you look at millennials, you know, or Gen Z, I mean, they are some of the highest pet owning cohorts out there. I mean, you go to college campuses now, I mean, I would have never seen dogs, you know, in dorms and off-campus housing, and it's they're everywhere now. So it's just yeah. more to, yeah, like we could talk forever on the future of the pet category and pet services in general, but it's we're super bullish on it. Um, all right. Well, uh, hey, Bob, so thanks a lot for coming on the show. Uh, it was super interesting to hear your story and learn more about Central Bark. Uh, you know, if there's anywhere that listeners can follow along, what do you think the best resources are? Well, thanks for having me. I would say go to www.centralparkusa.com and everything will start from there. All right. Well, uh, you heard that, folks. We'll include that website in the show notes and uh, you can check out their franchise. So, Bob, thanks again. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Franchise Empires. We're coming to you soon with actionable insights to take the next step on your franchise journey. So make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen.